You're listening to Pastor Greg Voorhees, recorded at Shenandoah Valley Baptist Church, Sunday, December 31st, 2023. For more information about SVBC, you can visit their website, svbcfamily.com, or find them on all things social at svbcfamily. Amen. Great is thy faithfulness. So today, it's New Year's Eve. Can you believe it? I mean, I think I've noticed the, the, the older I get, the years just seem to go a little bit quicker. I remember when I was a young guy, I remember thinking that, you, you know, a, a year was just like this, it just it was this forever period of time. <laughs> you, know, you, you know, when you're young and, and Christmas ticks off, you're like, it's going to be forever before Christmas comes back. And and now when, when you get a few years under your belt, all of a sudden time just seems to go so fast, so, so fast. This, this uh, uh, for the, today, we've, we've had, we've got some people out sick. Like I said, my, my wife, she's, she's sick as a dog. Uh, she's actually, I haven't really talked about this, but... A few, several weeks ago, she was put on a, a medicine. It's the next step from mexotrethate, or however you say it. It's, it's, it's an immunodepressive drug to help try with her joint issues. And the problem is, is you get, when anything's in the air, you tend to catch it when you're on these, this, this particular medicine. So she's, so she's pretty sick, and you know, my daughter. So I know there's a lot of sickness going around. I know there's some people traveling. Um, and Bev was actually just telling me that Margaret actually fell again, and she's going to have surgery, Margaret Sandresky, she's going to have surgery on the 3rd, January 3rd. Uh, the only reason that apparently she's broken some more bones and needs some more surgery. The, the, uh, so if you could keep Sue and, and, and everybody and Margaret in your prayers, that would be, that would be greatly appreciated um, because, because we... They need a divine touch of God's hand. They just do. New Year's, New Year's also is a time that actually, even before I get into that, I wanted to read. I wanted to read for you the email from Dennis Carp. I don't know if I think many people, um, many of us actually subscribe to this email. But I thought this one was, this is another thing that we really need to be praying about. He says, Shalom, Greg. He actually takes the time, and I guess before he sends each one, he puts your, your, your name on it, which I think is actually a nice touch. He quotes Matthew 5, 16, that says, Let your light so shine before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. And again, this is Dennis Carp, uh, the missionary that was here, one of the folks we support through through Chosen People Ministries, it says, Who would have known two years ago when the burden to move back to Israel came upon us and when our son Sam came to Israel to join the IDF, which is the Israeli Defense Force, if you're not familiar, that we would be here in the time of war. But our Heavenly Father knows the beginning from the end, and we are sure that we are here for such a time as this. We are settled in our apartment, settling in their role as chairman of the ministry leadership team here, progressing in their training and trauma counseling. Indeed, 2024 holds much for the Carp family in Israel. Sam is with us for the next two weeks as he suffered a major gash in his left forearm. The wound was long, wide, and deep. 
severing two veins and also a, a partially severed muscle. Uh, he is comfortable uh, resting and safe, but, but war is hell, and you know uh, what, what, what will come next. And if you're not... If you haven't been following, this is actually just since the war started. This is the second time Samuel has actually has been injured. Now, 2023 has been a rough. 2024 does not promise anything better. But we have the sure hope of Messiah in us, and we in him. And we have a responsibility in 2024 to share that hope with others. Salvation does not put us in a safe place to ride out the storm, it, in fact, puts us in the middle of the storm in order to spread his light to be a, a part of the spelling of the, of the darkness. Just as God was in the midst of the sea when, when Moses led the children of Israel out of Egypt, he is still in the midst of, of all that is going on now, and he leads us out of fear and anxiety into his service. We are here for such a time as this. So may your 2024 be filled with, with joys, be joyous in your God, and may all those who see the hope that lies in Messiah wishing you the most amazing 2024, Meyer Dennis and Tina Carp. So in our prayers for uh, our, our members here who are, who are fighting sickness, and, and, and Margaret as she goes into surgery on the third, uh, we need to keep the Carps uh, uh, in our prayers Especially Samuel. Samuel's getting, he's getting beat up pretty, pretty bad in this war. Like I said, this is the second time. This is the second time that I'm aware of that he's been injured. You know, so this, he, he's, he's been kind of having a rough time of it. So, so we, need to, we need to pray for these folks. In fact, let's do that right now. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. God, I just ask that you, that, that those that, who are our family here, God, that we ask that you touch them and heal them, bring, bring their body back to, to fullness, God, and, and to a place of restoration, God. And, and, and I ask that you touch Margaret Andreski, Lord, as she's dealing with the pain of the fall and the broken bones. And God, I just ask that you, that you help alleviate some of that pain, knit those bones back together, God. God, God we just ask that you guide the hands of the surgeon, when he or she does what, what they need to do on the third. And God, I, we just continue to pray for the Carp family. God, I just, we just ask for a, a, a protection around Samuel, Lord. As Sam goes and fights against Hamas, Lord, we just, we just pray for his protection because we've, we've, he's, he's been injured at least these two times just that we know about, God. And, he, and they've been some pretty serious things that have happened to him. God, we just ask that you, that you protect him and keep him safe so that he keeps coming back to his home, to, to, to his, his parents. God, we just love you and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the New Year's is also the time that, that and I, I know I talked about this this year or last year, but it's, it's true every year. We always come up with the resolutions. Have you, have you come up with your New Year's resolution yet? The thing that I'm going to, the thing you're going to do this year, I'll be honest, I, I stopped. I don't even try. You know, the thing that I notice about New Year's resolutions is they're usually good for about three or four days. You know, if you're, if you're really hard at it, you know, maybe for a month, but outside of that, resolutions kind of, kind of fizzle. I, I, I know one year, I, I told you about time, I thought, well, I'm going to go a year without sinning. That was going to be, I didn't go, it didn't work very well. 
there was a year inside I was going to get skinny. Well, it didn't work very well either. <laughs> you know, so I just, I just gave up. No more resolutions, you know, for me. It's not a bad thing, though. You, you know, any time that we, we go into a new year, we think about new experiences, new, new everything, you know, we, it's good to come up with, it's good to come up with, with goals. It's good, to, you know, something that we want to change. But we're going to look at this idea of new. Uh, since we're going into our new year, I want to look at, did I put my clicker down there? David came up and handed it to me. I must have carried it down here. Me and that clicker don't get along very well. There it is. I did carry it down here. What David needs to do is he needs to put one of those, those chains on the end. He, you, know, I, you know, like the redneck wallet. I've had one. I'm not cracking on it. I got the wallet with the chain, you know, so you can pull it out. I need, I need the redneck pointer so I can just, you know, just pull that thing out of my pocket when, you know, because I'm always losing this thing. All right, we're going to look at Isaiah 43, 18 through 19. It says, forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up, do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness. He's making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Before we dig in exactly what he's saying, I do want to talk about why, why do we remember things in the past? You know, we're going to look at here in a second why does he want us to forget the past. But why is it sometimes there are some good things about remembering the past? The first is it can build faith by reflecting on God has always been faithful. If you're in a time in your life or a situation in your life and, and, and you're really needing the faithfulness of God, one of the things that, that helps build your strength is remembering in the past he has always been faithful to us. There has never been a time where God was not faithful to his word and faithful to us. So if we are in a storm, if, we're, if we've gotten some bad news about some sickness, if we've just lost a job, you know, regardless of what that storm could possibly be, if, if we're needing, a, if we're just needing the, the, the grasp on the faithfulness of God, one of the ways to help do that is to remember the fact that He has always been faithful. He's never not been faithful. So that's one of the reasons we reflect back on the past. We see the Hebrew people do this many, many times. The Jewish people do this many, many times. You know, throughout the Bible, they, they even talk, they would talk about the exile or, or, the, or the time in Egypt. They would talk about, they would talk about, well, remember when you know, we were brought out of Egypt and, and they would talk about the faithfulness of God. They would talk about, you know, Moses on the mountain. You know, he, he, wasn't, in the, he wasn't in the storm, he wasn't in the fire, all, all of these things. That why would they do that? Because, because they were in a time where they were needing to be reassured of the faithfulness of God and they would remember the stories of past because they give us the strength to know that he can still do those things. Why else would we remember? To encourage us by reflecting on how God has partnered with us in the past. You know, when we're sitting there and we're trying to think, well, God, where are you in our situation? God, where, where are you in our lives? Where are you in our ministry? Where are you in our relationships? God, where are you? And then this kind of goes hand in hand with the faithfulness thing. 
where God has engaged with us many, many times throughout our lives. And, and, and when we reflect on those times that God has partnered with us and, and done amazing things for us, it helps give us the, the, the courage we need to move forward. Another reason to remember the past is it reminds us that God was with us and working for us even when it didn't feel like it. Have there been times in your life that you didn't feel like God was doing anything for you? Have you, have you ever, has there ever been a time where you wondered, is God even hearing what I'm saying to him? Is he even hearing my prayers? Does God even care about my situation? Because in, when I'm in this situation, I feel alone. I feel like he's not hearing me. I feel, feel is a dangerous thing. Because situations can make us feel different ways. And sometimes those ways that we feel are not truth. Because when you feel that you are alone, that is not true. God is with you. Jesus said, I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you. I will be with you even to the end of the time, to the end of the ages. If Jesus told you that he is with you and he would never leave you, when you feel alone, it's not true. You are not alone. Believers are never, ever alone. We've talked about in the past that when you ask Jesus into your heart, that the Holy Spirit literally tabernacles, that's the word, tabernacles in you, lives within you. So to be us, not only are you not alone, you couldn't escape God if you wanted to. You could climb the highest mountain, and guess what? He's there. You could go to the depths of the sea, and guess what? He's there. You're not alone. You can't escape him. Not that you would ever want to, but when we feel alone, it's not true. When we feel that, that, that God is not working, it is not true. You know, we've been talking about this, this, this time between the Testaments. For some reason, scholars like to call it the time of silence. You know, where God's voice was not speaking. It was, they, they, they treat this... These, these couple of hundred years, like it was like, like God was sitting up on a throne someplace and was doing nothing. But we know that that wasn't true, even though it seemed like it or it may look like it. God is never sleeps, He never slumbers, and He always watches out for His chosen. You know, during this 400 years, we see some of the the, the, some of the most amazing things in Jewish history. We see the cleansing of the temple. We were talking about Hanukkah. We've, we've talked a lot about Hanukkah. We see Alexander the Great come in and literally take over most of the known world, bringing, bringing literally Greek to the, the area of Jerusalem. We, we see all of these things coming together that would eventually set up the, the, the Roman Empire that was looking over and overseeing and ruling over Judea, over Jerusalem, who would, who would actually crucify people, which is what Messiah it was required to happen, according to the prophets, that he would, that he would be hung on the tree, that he would, be, that he would die on a cross. 
Everything was being set up in this period of time where the, the government was set up who would crucify our Jesus in that way. God was not silent. God wasn't sitting apathetic up on, up on a throne for, for those hundreds of years. God was working. He was moving. He was doing things. He was doing incredible things. But sometimes we feel like in our lives, sometimes we feel like that, what they call that intertestamental time, that time of silence. We feel, oh God, I'm going through a time of silence. I don't hear your voice. I don't feel your presence. Well, you want to know it? Again, that's something that is not true. God is always working for you. He, again, he never sleeps. He never slumbers. He is always watching over you. You know, he sings over you in the mornings. His thoughts of you outnumber the sands of the earth. Does that sound like a God who, who leaves you alone for a period of time that isn't working on your, on your behalf? You realize that the Bible tells us that there's one mediator between God and man. It's, it's Jesus. So Jesus is always at the right hand of the Father, speaking to the Father on your behalf. Always, even if it doesn't feel like it. Jesus never stops advocating for you to the Father. He just doesn't do it. He doesn't stop. He's always speaking to the Father for you. The Holy Spirit, the tabernacle's in you. He doesn't sleep either. He's always working. He's always working in the, to make you more and more like Jesus. The Holy Spirit goes before you and makes the way safe. In Deuteronomy, we know that. He never stops working for you. There is never a time of God's silence in your life, just like there wasn't a time of silence between the Old Testament and the New Testament. It's just not true. So sometimes we need to reflect on the past to remember that God was working for us even when we didn't see it. You know, I think about that, 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 that poem's the footprints in the sand. You know, and in this poem, this guy or this gal, I don't, I don't know who wrote it. This guy or this gal wrote this. How, you know, I'm looking back and there's two sets of footprints. You know, it was my, me and the Lord. And then there was a time where I looked back and there was only, only one set of footprints. And I asked, and the person who wrote the poem was like, God, why? Where did you go? Where did you go? Why weren't you there for me in this time when there was only one set of footprints? And the Lord responds to the person in this poem, well, no, it's because I was carrying you. That, it really does work that way. Jesus carries us even when we don't know it and when we don't realize it and we don't feel like it. So why in Isaiah... Why would he tell us to forget the past? We can get stuck trying to recreate old victories. We can talk about the times that some amazing thing happened many, many years ago, and, and you can get stuck trying to recreate that again, not looking forward, but always looking back. I'm guilty of this. I've done this many, many times. There have been many, many times 
Over the last several years, I talk about, see, I'm getting ready to turn 52 next month, and I, I still talked about something that happened when I was 18. Well, that's not funny. 52. But I still talk, I, I remember talking many times over the years about something that happened when I was 18 when I was asked to come down to Wilmington to preach at this, this youth thing, and every one of the kids came forward and accepted Christ. And I remember talking about that thing, and, and I could get stuck, and I had been stuck in periods of my life, because I thought, well, why can't that happen every single time? So I, I wanted to chase that dream, that thing that happened, that thing that God did. Well, God wants to do a new thing. The, the oldest past, we're, we're supposed to appreciate the things that have happened in the past, but we're not supposed to keep chasing those things. You know, we can talk about us as a church. I've heard this church at one point had with seven, 800 folks. You know, we could get so stuck looking at what we used to be, you know, 15, 20 years ago, that we, we don't look forward to what God has for us now. We are not the old Shenandoah Valley Baptist Church. And it doesn't matter if it, I'm the pastor, who's the pastor. God's always doing a new thing. We can't chase what we did in the past. Because we can miss opportunities God gives us because it's different than the way it's always been done. We want to forget sometimes the, the way that we have even done things because we don't want to get caught in a rut or a pattern where we want to do the same thing over and over and over and over and over because Jesus tells us in this Isaiah passage, I'm doing a new thing. You can't always do the same things the old way and it always worked. I've talked about what was, I, what was Einstein's definition of insanity. His, his definition of insanity, and, and I agree with this, I like this, is doing the same thing over and over and over and expecting a different result. You know, so it, it kind of works that way in our lives. It works that way in our church. If, if we do the things the way we've always done it, we're going to get the same result we've always had. If he's doing a new thing, we have to embrace what that new thing is. And dwelling in the past can cause us to stop because of pain. Sometimes God wants us to forget the past. Because when painful things happen in our lives, it's like, it's like hitting a brick wall. And we stop. That's a hard thing to deal with. That's a hard thing to deal with. Being hurt is a hard thing to deal with. Sometimes, sometimes we need to forgive. How about all the times we need to forgive? Because if we let pain is an anchor in your life, it just is. Pain is not always a bad thing. Pain teaches us, in some circumstances, to not to do the same stupid stuff over and over. You know, sometimes pain in relationships, if we engage in relationships with people who, who don't think like us or aren't like us in any way, shape, or form, who oppose the way we think or oppose the, the way that we do things, we're going to 
always get hurt in that circumstance so that we learn to try to be with more like-minded people, people who are on the same track that you're on, heading the same direction that you're on. What we also know from, from, from mental health and we know from social science is the best predictor of future behavior, future events, is past events. So, so if you're getting into a close, intimate relationship, not, not mean intimate, just close. If you're getting into a close relationship where you're sharing and fellowshipping and very, being very close with someone who has a history of hurting people, guess what? They're probably going to hurt you. I'm not telling you not to engage in friendships and relationships with these folks. I'm saying to guard your heart. And sometimes pain teaches us that some people don't deserve the closeness that we have to offer. Jesus loves them. You're supposed to love them. But sometimes pain teaches us to stay away from dangerous relationships. Sometimes pain teaches us to not do bad things. If you drive, 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 fast, 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 and you have two or three wrecks and you experience the pain of wrecks, maybe that's telling you to slow your car down a little bit. There's, there's, I can name many, many instances over and over and over where sometimes pain teaches us not to do stupid things. But sometimes, particularly if we have been the, the, the object of, of, of something that has been done to us, or something that has, has, has really just changed even the, the face of our lives because it has caused so much pain. Sometimes we need to learn to, to, to engage with the Father to say, God, I feel this pain, but I need to put it behind me, and I don't know how. I need your help. So sometimes the forgetting the past is to be able to put the pain aside to move forward. He wants us to forget the past so that we don't get stuck, we don't miss opportunities, and, we, and that we can move beyond pain. Our relationships, jobs, and even church can seem like a wilderness or a wasteland, like what he's talking about in Isaiah 43. But he wants to do a new thing, a way in the wilderness. God wants to do, make a way where there is no way. Has he done that in the past? The Red Sea. Remember reading about the Red Sea? There was no way. Moses and the, and the Israelites were backed up to the Red Sea, and they were getting ready to get slaughtered by Pharaoh. God made a way where there was no way. Parting the Red Sea was nothing to God. Nothing. All he had to do was will it. That's all he had to do. You realize he can do the miraculous in our relationships. He can heal brokenness in relationships. He can restore relationships. He can do the impossible in our jobs. We may be in jobs that make us miserable where we don't want to get up in the morning and go to work. But God can do a new thing even in our jobs. He can make a way in our church 
where there is no way. God can do it. He can bring water to the wastelands. Nothing is impossible for God. With man, it it, it is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Making a way in the wilderness, water in the wasteland. That can be your relationships, your job, and your church. I want to look at some very, I'm not going to, some very well-known passages to speak to this and give us the blueprint on how to do this. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Everybody's heard this one. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not into your own understanding and in all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. Trust in the Lord. If you want to make a way where there is no way, you have to trust in the Lord with all of your heart. It doesn't say, the writer of Proverbs doesn't say, trust in the Lord with a little piece of yourself. The writer of the Proverbs is saying, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not into your own understanding. Because you know, our understanding is so limited. We can only see what's in front of us and figure out how to wrangle what's in front of us or try to figure out how to reconcile what's in front of us with what's happened to us in the past. That is a limited understanding. We can't always lean on our own understanding. We need to lean and trust on God who has the whole picture, who knows the future, who knows how you tick, who knows how everybody around you ticks. We need to lean on His on on him for these things, and not on our understanding. Because you want to know it's something I've learned more and more. And again, as I tick off years of my own life, I understand that I don't understand a whole lot. You know, when I was a teenager, I thought I knew it all. When I was a teenager... I didn't want my parents telling me nothing because I thought I knew it all. I knew best. The older I get, I realize I don't don't know Jack. I need to lean on the Lord. I can't lean on my own understanding because the more I learn about people, the more I know I don't understand people. The more I learn the more I I, I think I know about situations or how to do things, the more I understand that I don't understand these things at all. The thing that I'm learning now is that I have to trust the Lord because I can't figure things out. I can't figure out how to Make my life work. I can't figure out how to make my job work. I can't figure out how to make this church work. I can't figure it out. Not on my understanding. That's why we need the trust in the Lord. Because he knows what he's doing. Let me tell you what, I feel like a lost ball in tall weeds. I do. 
The older I get, the longer I go, the more I think about things, I just feel like a lost ball in tall weeds. I understand more and more and more as I get older how much I really do need the Lord. I'm learning more and more and more that I never really knew anything. I wonder if that's why Paul would have talked about you know, all his, his, his trophies and accolades. He, consi- he considers it nothing compared to knowing Christ. I get that. I've got a stack of certificates in a file of cool things that, that, that God has allowed me to do. You know, I've gotten distinguished service medals in law enforcement. I've, I've, gotten, I've gotten a lot of cool things. But compared to knowing Christ, none of it means anything. Without Christ, none of it means anything. Christ puts the meaning in our lives. He puts the meaning in the things we do. Chest full of ribbons and the metal on my chest means nothing without Christ. That's why we need to trust in him and submit to him. He's going to make the path straight because I can't. I can't. I just can't. I don't care what life's experiences have brought me. I don't care what degrees I've earned. I can't do it. I just can't do it. We need to trust in the Lord. Because every success we have in our lives, every success we have in our jobs, every success we have in this church, it's going to be because of Him and not any of us. This is His church. His church. Proverbs 69, in their hearts, humans plan the course, but the Lord establishes their steps. We were even talking about in Sunday school just this morning. Plans, plans we need to do, plans, plans we need to increase evangelism, plans we need for this, plans for that, plans, plans, plans. And we, we, we can make these plans, and they're good plans, and God may, will probably, he, he may honor these plans and work them out the way that we were hoping. But the point of this, though, is to understand that even though we make the plans, God's really the one in, in charge. He's the one that establishes the direction. He establishes where we go and how we get there. And that's why when we make plans, and that's why prayer is so important, we want our plans to be His plans so that when when we move in that direction, when He's establishing our steps, we want to be in sync with the Lord. In our lives, our jobs, and our church, we can't fight the Lord. We need to find out what do you want, God, and head in that direction because he establishes our steps. Why? Because he gets it. He understands it. He can fix it. 
Only He can do that. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds His people both now and forevermore. Have you ever looked at Jerusalem? The way the mountains kind of rat, kind of guard her and protect her? That's kind of the image that we can have of a God, the way He wraps around us. Some of, some of my favorite language in the Psalms, when David talks about resting in the wings of our God. If you've ever seen like a mother duck or a mother chicken and they're outside and it storms and they're, you may look like, whoa, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with that duck? That duck looks like it's 400 pounds. It's like, it's because the babies are under the wings and she's covering them. That's the way the Lord covers us. He keeps us safe. He keeps us warm when it's cold. And I'm not talking about physically, because it can be cold. It was cold last night when I'm outside in my shorts taking the dog out. Yes, I'm stupid. I was wearing shorts, but I do that. But when I'm in a place where in my spiritual life or my, my life circumstance, if I feel like I'm in a cold place, it is the warmth of the wings of the Lord that keeps me warm. You know what that feels like. We're all from the country. We've all either been camping or at least made s'mores. I hate s'mores, but we've made them. My grandkids love them things. But when it's fall and it's chilly and you got the fire going and you got the coals going, everybody else is making those nasty s'mores, I'm still getting close to the fire because I feel the warmth coming from it. It makes, it makes my bones feel good. Well, that's the way the Lord makes us feel when we embrace him. And he surrounds us and he keeps us safe. Here's another well-known one. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. I've got news for you, church. Might be old news. Or you might be watching on YouTube and it might be new news. I don't know. But God has a plan for you. So many times I hear people say that, that, that God can't use me. God won't use me. God can't this. God can't that. God doesn't want to do this. God doesn't want to do that. That is not scriptural because it's not true. Jeremiah tells us that he has a plan for you. Every single butt in these seats, God has a plan for you. 
I don't care how young you are. I don't care how old you are. I don't care if your time left on earth is measured in decades or scores or years. I don't care. God has a plan for you. It is a plan to prosper you, not to harm you. So often people get this picture of God where he's sitting on a throne so far away with his little crooked judgmental finger pointing us. Bad people, shame on you. And that he wants to squish us when we do bad things. That's not God's plan for you. It is God's plan for you to prosper you and not to harm you. God will not harm you. My God is a safe God. He is a safe place in an unsafe world. He really is. His plans to prosper you. He plans to give you hope in the future. Hope. I used to volunteer a lot for Compassion International. I used to go around talk to people in churches about child sponsorship. And I would talk about poverty and kind of the definition that, that, that they use, and it's a good definition. When we are in poverty, it's because we have a lack or an absence of choices or an absence of hope. So we as God's children do not live in poverty. We as God's children do not live in impoverished lives because we have hope. What is hope? Hope is a light in the darkness. Hope is that thing that when you feel that you're all alone and you're by yourself in the world and the walls are closing in on you and the ceiling's coming down on you and you're in the dark place. Hope is that little glimmer of light. Hope is that thing that tells you you're going to be okay. He plans to give you a hope. If you're hearing my voice, God is going to give you hope. He's going to give you the light and the darkness. He's going to give you the warmth and the cold. He's going to give these things to you. Why? Because he is faithful. Faithful. Plans to give you hope in a future. In this new year, did they both go out? Can't see them. No, this one's up. In this new year, in our lives, in our church, things might feel uncertain. It might look uncertain. It may feel uncertain. But why is that not true? What do these passages, all these scriptures I just read to us, what do they all tell us? They tell us that God is in control. We don't have to be in control. 
Because here's the thing. When we're in control, we're most likely going to crash. <laughs> when we're in control, it's like driving, the, it's like driving on the, 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 the icy roads. It's, it's like steering the ship straight toward the coast without, without a, a, a lighthouse to say, hey, when we're in control, bad things happen. But we've seen from these passages that God is in control. We see that God is leading our path. We've seen that we can even make the plans, but he still establishes the steps. We can do anything and everything we want to try to make the situation right, but thank God he's there to guide our path to actually make things right. We've learned from these passages that God surrounds us and he keeps us. We've seen this so often. Samuel Carp. God has surrounded him and kept him. He's taken some serious dings. He's still alive. He's with his mama and daddy. God keeps us in situations that should have taken us. And we've learned from this, these passages that God gives us a hope and a future. So many times, we're put in the right circumstances. We're put in the right situations. We may feel like it's the end. We just made, we just made. I talked about going into this season. About the epidemic of suicide. When folks have lost hope because of pain or any other reason. People who are walking in these places. And it doesn't even have to be to that level. It can even just be in a level where even if you're not thinking of, of, of harming yourself, that you just feel hopeless. I can assure you tomorrow will be a brighter day. What we are going through are temporary. It may feel like it may feel like our fate. It may feel like our, our terminal direction. But then we have, to, we have to understand or grasp, is God honest? Or is he a liar? I almost feel scared to even make that statement. Is God a liar? 
So when God said, I have a plan and a future, do you believe him? Let me tell you something about my God. He's not a liar. He's not a liar. Everything he says is true. Everything he says will come to pass. Everything he says hits the mark. He never fails. He's always faithful. So when he says, I have a hope and a future for you, 2024 can be a bright place in your life. It can be. You've got to trust in him. You gotta trust in him. You gotta trust the process. The process is scary. But you gotta trust in him. Because he's gonna come through for you.